welcome to the 11th episode of the reading of the book, The Holy Ground of Honey Creek, Reflections of a Small Town Pastor, written by Rev. I. Dean Jordan, read by John Jordan. In the preface, Rev. Jordan wrote, I began my ministry in 1950 and retired for the first time in 1988, after serving almost 40 years as a United Methodist minister. Then after retiring, I spent another four years as a part-time minister for the United Church of Christ. When he looked back on his ministry, Reverend Jordan realized that these last 50 years have been like no other in challenging our faith, and he thought someone should write a book about it, not a grand sweeping view of religious history, but insights gained in serving local congregations as we all struggle to put our faith into practice. This book contains essays, sermons, and liturgy written by Reverend Jordan during his time as a minister. In today's sermon, The Burden of Unforgiving, first preached February 18, 1979 at the First United Methodist Church in Evansville, Wisconsin, the purpose is to show why not forgiving is dangerous. There is an old saying about looking down the wrong end of a barrel of a gun. I don't know where it comes from, but I can imagine it comes from the fellow who's looking at the muzzle of a rifle with an enemy looking down the sights with his hand on the trigger. Most of us will quickly agree that the fellow looking into the muzzle has the greatest danger, the heaviest burden. The point of this morning's sermon is that this isn't necessarily so. As a matter of fact, the fellow with his eye in the sight and his finger on the trigger is in greater danger than the fellow looking into the muzzle of the gun. Consider the psychological danger to him of carrying around the guilt of being a murderer. Consider the social danger of being ostracized by his friends. Consider the criminal danger of being imprisoned. Consider the spiritual danger of facing God with the letter M on his forehead. Until now, I had never thought of the matter within this particular frame of reference. It raises some interesting ideas. Consider, for instance, the fact that Jesus didn't mind dying, but he refused to kill. Maybe killing is more dangerous than dying. Perhaps this insight is behind Jesus' admonition about killing and thinking of killing. He said, You have heard that men were told in the past, Do not murder. Anyone who commits murder will be brought before the judge. But I tell you, whoever is angry will be in danger of going to the fire of hell. Matthew 5, verses 21-22 It would seem that we better have a care lest we love this physical life so much that we lose our chance at the next life. Consider again. This time Jesus is saying, For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake he will save it. Luke nine twenty four. We better rethink our understanding of which is the wrong end of the gun barrel. However, I didn't start this sermon in order to talk about killing. Rather, I started it in order to talk about judgment and forgiveness. And just as there are two ends of the barrel of killing and dying, there are two ends of the barrel of forgiving and being forgiven. A line from the poem of Isaiah that we read for scripture this morning has led me to reflect that we've been looking down one end of the barrel so much, the end of being forgiven, that we've lost awareness of the spiritual dynamics at work at the other end, the end of doing the forgiving. Here's the line from Isaiah. 
God speaks. But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I, I am God who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. The insight is this. Humanity's sins have placed a burden on God. God gets rid of the burden by forgiving. The reason for God's forgiveness of human sin is so that God feels better. Now this is looking down the other end of the barrel for me. I've always thought that God forgave our sins so that we would feel better. But it ain't necessarily so. God forgives our sins so that God feels better. And this leads to the insight that if God forgives sin so that God feels better, then we better see if the same thing applies to us. I'm not sure just how best to get at this. But let's suppose that somebody said some nasty, mean, untrue things about you to somebody else and you heard about it. You are going to feel hurt and angry toward that person. In the thoughts of Isaiah, their sin has laid a burden on you of hurt and anger. Now, you are probably torn between two conflicting desires. Either you want to get even, to hurt them back, to give them an eye for an eye, or you want to have nothing to do with them at all. These are some terribly negative, heavy, burdensome feelings to be carrying around. The only way you are going to lay down this burden to get rid of the heavy, negative feelings, according to Isaiah's insight into the way God works, is to forgive. But you think, I don't want to forgive, I want to get even. So you hurt him. Now, how do you feel? Probably a little satisfaction, at least momentarily, but you are still angry and now feel guilty for causing hurt to someone else. Thus, you are worse off than you were before. Then, you were just hurt and angry. Now, you are hurt, angry, and guilty. Well, you don't want to feel guilty, so instead of hurting back, you resolve just to cut that person out of your life, and you do. But, you are still angry, and you are lonelier because your circle of friends is smaller. This isn't so bad unless, unless the person you want to cut out of your life is a beloved family member. Then it is another story. I remember a grandmother whose only and greatly beloved grandchild, a granddaughter, married against her grandma's wishes. The grandma did just as I said, cut the granddaughter out of her life. The only problem now was that all Grandma could think about and talk about was how angry she still was and how much she missed that granddaughter. She had more problems now than when she had only the problem of hurt feelings. Now how could she free herself of her problems? Once again, the only way to lay down this burden of hurtfulness and anger and loneliness is to forgive. Traditionally, we think of this situation from the viewpoint of the granddaughter. Wouldn't it be great to be close to grandmother again? But today, we want to think of it from grandma's end of the barrel. Wouldn't it be great to be rid of the burden of hurt and anger and loneliness? She cannot undo the marriage. That is already a fact. Forgiveness cannot reverse history. The only way grandma can free herself of her burdens 
and love her granddaughter again is to forgive the hurts caused by the marriage. You say, but the granddaughter does not deserve to be forgiven by one she has hurt so much. Okay, that may be true. But grandma is not forgiving granddaughter for granddaughter's sake, or because granddaughter has done something to appease grandma, like get a divorce. Grandma is forgiving granddaughter for grandma's sake. What the granddaughter deserves is not the issue. And then you say, maybe the granddaughter won't accept the forgiveness. Maybe not. Maybe she won't. But this is irrelevant. Grandma forgives, and grandma is free of the burden of hurt and anger. If granddaughter does not accept, then let granddaughter carry that burden until she learns the liberating power of forgiveness. Grandma may be disappointed by granddaughter's failure to forgive, but she is no longer bent over with the load of hurt and anger. Free of these, she now has the emotional energy to deal with the problem of loneliness. Too many of us are satisfied in going through life as trash trucks. We let other people dump their hate, their prejudices, their angers, on us and then we carry that trash around. Thus we add to our load of resentment of carrying somebody else's burden. Again we have doubled our load because we don't know or won't receive the knowledge of how forgiveness works and life gets dark and gloomy and sad. But this doesn't have to be so. We may not be able to avoid the hates and angers and prejudices but we don't have to carry them around as if we were a trash truck. Forgiveness is the way we unburden our souls and live free again. There is one additional related matter that we need to consider briefly and then we'll stop. We dump our souls of this hatred, let's call it sin. Then it just lies around in the human landscape contaminating society like untended city dumps contaminate the earth and the rivers. What we need is a way to get rid of hate anger, prejudice, sin, and there is a way. It is a continuation of the way we've been talking about all morning. In physics, scientists speak of matter and antimatter, coming together and in the contact they destroy each other in a flash of energy. So in personal relationships, forgiveness given and received, when the one receiving does so in true repentance, destroys all the sins I've been mentioning, given and received, both together. When this happens, trust is restored, the relationship is reestablished, and love, the energy driving forgiveness, accomplishes its work in the renewing of community. Peace and harmony are reestablished. Grandma forgives granddaughter. Granddaughter receives the forgiveness without residue of bad feelings. Granddaughter's marriage is not dissolved, but the relationship of love and enjoyment between grandma and granddaughter is restored. God said, You have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I, I am God who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I don't know who you need to forgive, but whoever it is, forgive them for your own sake and live life to the full again. Amen. Amen. Amen.
This ends the reading of the sermon, The Burden of Unforgiving. This sermon, first preached in 1979, more than 40 years ago, is still relevant for us today as we look at the divisions in our country and are looking for a way to bridge the gap so that we can get rid of the hate, the anger, and the prejudice that we are still fighting against. In our next podcast episode, we'll be doing the sermon, An Answer Out of the Whirlwind, first preached December 2nd, 1956. The purpose of the sermon is to present the climax of the Book of Job. Until then, thank you for listening. I'm John Jordan.